1: Hello everyone and welcome to La Liga Lowdown's podcast. We have a new feature for this season, it is a match day preview pod out every midweek ahead of the weekend's fixtures. Uh, I'm Matt Clark, your host, and I'm joined, freshly renewed his uh, bus pass, the Chavinetta, by Rory Barlow.
2: How are you, Rory? Delighted to be back, Matt. It's good to, uh, good to be back on the Zooms with you. It's It's been too long. It felt like a, a significant part of my life for the last uh, nine months or so before the season ended, so it's nice to have that comfort blanket back. Oh, well,
1: very, very pleased to be your co-host here today. <laughs> um, we only have
2: two days until our league starts. It's fantastic, isn't it? How excited are you about the season ahead? I have to say, it's probably the most exciting season in in three or four for me. I think, regardless of uh, all the rubbish that is going on at Barcelona on the pitch, it is shaping up to be one of the most exciting, and the fact that Joao Felix is looking pretty tasty in pre-season and towards the end of last season means that the title race could be really fun this year, and given last year, there was lots of entertaining storylines in La Liga, but the title race was not. Particularly, one of them, to be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're all hoping it is a bit closer at the top this year. Well, one of those teams that was in the mix for a while was Sevilla, and they are the team that kicks off the campaign. They are in Pamplona on Friday night playing Osasuna. Um, we've obviously a lot's been spoken about their departures this summer: Diego Carlos, conde leaving, uh, massive hole at centre back to fill. They have made a few signings. Uh, Marcao, Alex Tellez, and just a couple of days ago, Isco confirmed and official. They've all been registered, which we will also come on to later, I'm sure, but they have all been registered, so they could all make their debuts on Friday night. Rory, how do you see this game going?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's not a particularly fun start for Sevilla and Lopetegui, I have to say. I think also soon as home record last season wasn't as good as we kind of generally expect from them, but I assume that Yugo Barasate's main task this season is essentially to address that and, and make sure that they are strong at home because their away form was very good. The season's come a bit too fast for Sevilla in my in my view. I mean, Isco's come in but he's only coming in sort of what started this week and um, the last weekend. He's not going to be at full fitness at all. Marcao came in and he's their only centre-back signing right now. He was struggling with an injury in preseason too and so you've got sort of, I think their defence is going to be down to the bare bones, even in their opening fixture. It will be Kari Rekic, I think will start potentially with Marcao, potentially with Nemanja Goodell, who will fill in at centre half. And if I'm Chimi Avila or, or Ante Budimir, and I'm, this is, I don't really like the phrase licking my lips, but I'm licking my lips at this because <laughs> Sevilla's sort of uh, bedrock of defence is, is not necessarily going to be there, particularly early on in the season. So I think it's it's a tough start for Sevilla, I have to say. I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of those banana-skin games. I mean, they came unstuck there uh, in the fixture last season. It was 0-0 in February, and that was pretty much the weekend that the title race kind of died, really, because they were just about on the coattails. But once they dropped points in Pamplona at El Sadar, that really was it, because I think Real Madrid ground, grinded out a 1-0 win over Granada. That was the period without Benzema, wasn't it? Uh, Asensio got that goal. And from then on, they just sort of really coasted, um, really. Uh, so yeah, I think, again, I, we're both big fans of Djagobo Adosate, aren't we? And I think, again, the squad looks, looks pretty good for Osasuna. They brought in Moy Gomez as well. I think that's a really, really interesting signing for them. And if they can keep John Mon- Moncayola, which is a bit of an if, because there's talk that Athletic could go for the buyout clause. But if they can keep him, I think they've got a lot of creativity to go with their, their forward power. Um, and again it's just keeping everyone fit during this kind of congested season but yeah I think encouraging signs you know Friday night under the lights uh, yeah it's a very tough assignment for
2: Sevilla for sure Just before we move on I will remind you that we I think we were watching that uh, Sevilla-Ostosuna game in a bar in Barcelona and to much (laughs) cursing Ivan Rakitic missed the last minute penalty to drop those points at El Sadar. so Sevilla will have a bit of a bit between their teeth they've got a, a score to settle there Yes,
1: yeah. They'll (laughs) definitely
2: want to uh,
1: right the wrongs of that last performance. On to Saturday then. Uh, Intriguing clash first up, it's Celta against Espanol. Of course, last season's highest Spanish scorers were Rado Tomás and Iago Aspas, of course. Um, So, they probably won't be seeing each other here today because RDT doesn't seem to be in the plans, does he? And Of course, it's it's Diego Martinez's uh, first game in charge of Espanol. He's back in La Liga. And it all begins in his birthplace, Vigo, which is a nice interesting quirk.
2: Yeah, it's one of the more, one of the stranger storylines of the summer, I have to say. I think many Espanol fans were were dreaming that they might be able to keep hold of Raúl de Tomás, sort of fighting off interest from bigger clubs. But not many people expected Diego Martínez to be the one that's kicking him to the curb. And their relationship over the summer has not been good. Uh, Apparently, Martínez did not take well to Raúl de Tomás. In their sort of initial meetings and and since he's been left out friendlies it's it's a strange situation it's hard to see it not slightly getting in the way of their preparation i have to say i mean it's revolution at espanol but they were also beaten heavily in pre-season by by brighton i think it was and and yeah not always well in that camp and then on the flip side you've got celta who are also undergoing their own revolution in inverted commas and that's been pretty bloody as well. There's been a lot of exits and there's been a lot of arrivals and whether those arrivals can really sort of gel together early doors, I have my doubts. I think this could be could be a bit of an entertaining game because I think there there'll be a lot of new faces in both sides to be honest. Yeah, it'll be a case of
1: oh yeah, they've signed him as well. Oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it's always good to see Hossalou back in La Liga, of course, down with Alaves last year, but picked up by Espanyol, so looking forward to him against potentially uh, Oscar Minguesa at the back for Celta. That could be an intriguing battle. Uh, another game on Saturday is Real lead against Villarreal, the first of the newly promoted sides in action. This is uh, a game Villarreal probably have to win, don't they, first off?
2: Yeah, Una Emery, show me what you've got. This is, this is his season to challenge for the top four, and if The pressure will already be on him if they falter here. I mean, as much as I I like Valladolid this season, I think they'll give it a good go. I like Pacheta particularly. I think he's deserved this shot at La Liga and he was very close to keeping Huesk up last time. He was the one that brought Elche up before they um, consequently sacked him (laughs) and put their own man in charge. So I think Valladolid will give it a good go this season, but... Sean Weissman, who was their top goal scorer last season and is the goals man for them. He's been nursing a hamstring injury lately and that might be a bit of a problem, I think, against Villarreal, particularly on the opening day when Villarreal, they have a hell of a lot of attacking firepower. They maybe need a bit more in the supply chain, but Gerard Moreno, Dan Juma, those two in particular, I think, could have some fun in this game. Yeah, I I think
1: it's... It's one of the, I mean, the, the only meeting previously between Pacheta and Emery was Wesco Villarreal a couple of years ago, as you mentioned, and that was 0-0. So that's <laughs> typical Emery in a way. You can, you can almost see this ending up 0-0 despite all the attacking talent on the pitch. One other nice little thing to note on this one, of course, uh, in the summer Villarreal, i have got Pepe Reina in goal, but that's because Sergio Asenjo departed. He's gone back to Real Valladolid, his old club and his potential debut could be against VRL themselves. So that's one to watch out for as well. Nice little kind of uh, full circle type of story. Uh, right then, Saturday night, this is, this is what you're all here for, listeners, isn't it? Barca against Rayo Levers versus Lightning. Uh, Rory, obviously we had the, the preview pod where we discussed at length about the Palancas and Sam gave a very good explanation of what Barca are doing and, and why everyone's angry about it. Um, as a as a fan, I must say, listener, he's sporting a very attractive '90s Barça kit as we as we record. Um, Rory, what 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 do you make of the summer of sagas at Barça?
2: Well, the first thing to say is that I am absolutely sick to death of the Palancas, <laughs> of talking about it, of all the off the pitch things that are going on, and I can't wait for the season to start just so that that kind of moves into the background. I understand the. The outrage so to speak but I think it's important to keep in mind that a lot of their problem with registering players is because the La Liga rules are stricter than in other leagues and that plays a big part in the storyline I think it's it's not been uh, bigged up as much as it should have been in perhaps the UK media the English speaking media certainly. Do I understand why people are angry at Juan Laporte? Yes I think there's a risky element to what he's doing and I think a lot of people are perhaps frustrated with the fact that Barcelona seem to be having their cake and eating it. They seem to have got themselves in a financial situation which is untenable and still are signing massive players. And I, I understand that sort of train of thought and yeah, there is an element to to, an, to the argument that they shouldn't be allowed to do that. But um, on, on the pitch, I have to say, it does look pretty exciting and I think Juan Laporta's virtuous circle, as Sam mentions... It's, it seems to be working early doors because the Joan Gamper was, was full of fans this uh, past Sunday. Yeah, 80,000 uh,
1: in attendance at Cam. now. I suppose the other question then is, will they have these players registered in time? Which What kind of team will, will Xavi be able to line up in this game on Saturday?
2: Well, Joan Laporte said in Robert Lewandowski's presentation, because he was asked, will Lewandowski be... In the lineup for the first game and he said well nobody should worry about Lewandowski because if there's one player that's going to be registered it's him and so I, I do think they probably i'm imagining they have the bandwidth to register at least one or two of the new signings and Lewandowski will be on that list but altogether i think even even without any of the new signings barcelona have plenty of attacking power to to be able to play this rival side and beat them fairly comfortably to be honest i mean you look at the last game, and Rayo did beat Barcelona, but it was a very different Barcelona. It was a Barcelona that was without Pedri. They were exhausted. I think they felt beaten up by the season that they just had. They're, they didn't really have any ambitions left for the season, and so Rayo came in and were solid. They were organized. They were they were very good on that night, but I think they'll have to do more this time. And I think Barcelona in a very different place to when these two sides last met.
1: Yes, of course, that was part of the historic double that Rio did last season, the first of which bringing about the demise of Ronald Koeman. Doesn't that seem a long time ago too? Um, so yeah, there's quite a bit of pessimism about, about Ryo. Uh, again, in our preview pod, a couple, of, a couple of the comments there were that there's a fear that, you know, they only won twice away from home all season. They didn't pick up many points at all in the second half of the season. If they didn't have such a good first half last time out, they probably would have been dragged into it. Do you see, do you see trouble for Rio this season?
2: Yes and no. I think Rayo, the run that they went on last season, is it's unlikely to be matched. Let's not be about the bush. But they do have, I think if you look at the squads and, and what we saw from Álvaro García, what we saw from Isi Parathon, Fran García, Alejandro Catena, Santi Comissana, there are players there that I think if you put them in at other sides in the bottom half of the table, a lot of them would start. I think Anthony Raola is a plus for them. I think he gives them an advantage over a lot of other teams. And what will be crucial for them is whether they can find the goals because let's not forget that their drop-off in the second half of the season more or less occurred sort of about a month after Falcao stopped scoring when they were relying on Sergi Guardiola for goals. And if Falcao can stay fit, if they can find enough goals from elsewhere in the team, then yeah, I think they do have a chance of staying up. I think it will be tight because... It's the reality for them. That's, what their resources, that's where their resources place them. But I think they've got a decent enough chance of staying up. But nobody should expect them to be 12th, 13th this season.
1: Mm. Well, speaking of predictions, us at the La Liga Lowdown squad have all sent in our predictions 1 to 20. And that's been averaged out to generate a kind of LLL squad table 1 to 20. Uh, so check that out on our Twitter feed la, at La Liga Lowdown. To see who we think is going to win the league who we think is going to come top four who we think is going down and um yeah have have a debate with us on twitter um i'm sure we'll all be happy to engage but uh and then at the end of the season we'll see how right or wrong we were so look look out for that listener uh that will do us for part one in part two we will look about look ahead to sunday's games as well as monday's games because there are three on each day it's a bumper weekend to start the season so don't go away Welcome back everyone to this La Liga Lowdown Matchday 1 preview podcast. I'm here with Rory Barlow and we are looking ahead to the first weekend of the season, the much, le- an- much anticipated weekend it is indeed. On to Sunday then and uh, the first game of Sunday is Cadiz against Real Sociedad. Um, again, you were very impressed with Sergio's, uh, the way that he managed to keep them up last season. You, you, didn't, you didn't expect too much but you had to kind of eat your words and, and make, a, make apologies to him. Uh, will he have been able to evolve Cadiz over the summer, or will it be more of the same? And I guess similarly, Lareal, a lot of change there in, in forward areas. How will Imanol kind of shape his side offensively to make sure they score enough goals?
2: Yeah, I think for Sergio, a, a lot of people seem to be a lot lower on Cardiff than than I was. Certainly in the La Liga lowdown squad, I think if Sergio can just maintain the level of performance that they had in the second half of last season, they'll be absolutely fine for me. think they gave pretty much everyone a good game they've recruited our Mabil who I think should give them a bit of pace out wide if you can get a little bit more from that wide position their counter-attacking team I think that could really do them well so it's not so much a question of um, evolution for me for Cardi it's more about maintaining what they had and and ensuring that they can kind of keep that momentum going L'Areal it's an interesting one I think they've almost gone Isak or bust if that makes sense, because I think yeah they they've lost so a lot and they've not recruited a replacement. They do have Carlos Fernandez who will be coming back from injury. He should be fully fit. he could have a big season, I think though interesting, interesting he will if he does make a big contribution because he was one of the more promising strikers in la liga, he was great then, at Granada that season uh, absolutely, absolutely, then, if they do have sort of two firing number nines, then they're a different outfit, but without what Thabal I I have my doubts about how much they can improve their offensive output. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see exactly what he does, whether Ali Chou plays a big role, he was the sort of big re- recruit, the star recruit with Bryce Mendez, or whether he is kind of the next man up, so to speak, if he's the next mm. in line to make that, that big step.
1: Don't forget Cuba he's his sixth Spanish club already. How's, how's
2: he going to go, do you think? I'm not holding my breath for fireworks but if there's a place, there's a system and a manager for him Immanuel Aguathil might be the best
1: In terms of of this game in particular then Cadiz were pretty poor at home last season. Do you think they're going to improve their home form or do you think L'Oreal will will win this fixture? I mean, L'Oreal do seem to like it. They've
2: won the last four meetings with Cadiz I think in terms of this fixture, Real Sociedad are a really difficult start for Cadiz. So we shouldn't read too much into what happens in this match but if you look at towards the end of last season Cardiff they weren't necessarily a possession based side let's not be about the bush but they they did have a lot more protagonism on the ball i think than people would give them credit for or than they would imagine there was a shift from alvaro severa to a slightly more ambitious approach and i think that should benefit their home record
1: onto uh, a pretty tasty looking fixture this one
2: it's sunday afternoon evening,
1: Valencia Girona at Mestalla. Gattuso makes his La Liga bow at home against uh, another of the new sides. Uh, Girona finally up through the playoffs. Christian Suani is back, he's Uruguayan, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's that's a tick for you already, tick in the box. The last meeting, which was only in 2019, Gedish, Parejo and Ferran all scored for Los Che. And of course, now they've all gone. Um, That, in a nutshell, is is Valencia's situation, isn't it, really? But how will they cope without Gerrish? They've had a lot more possession this season, uh, in pre-season, as Sam was talking about in the
2: preview. Gennaro Gattuso. I understand that he is a very good manager to get behind if you are a football fan. And if he comes in at your club, the way he talks, the way he leads, I think it's very attractive for a lot of people... If he's going to install a more possession based style, look to dominate games, that's quite a shift from Las, and I understand that a lot of people find it very easy to get on board with that. However, I don't know if Valencia have the players to do this. I mean they should increase their offensive output if they're going for a more offensive style but without Gonzalo Gedge, I'm not sure I trust Samuel Castillejo to be the one to really lead the line and, and have a lot of presence up front. Maxi Gomez, Marcus André, they're not, they are not. They haven't shown themselves to be clinical strikers in recent weeks. And I think this is a tasty opening tie for Girona. I think if Valencia wants to take the ball off them, that's all very well. But Girona are a side that likes the ball. They're a side that likes to attack themselves. And I think if you look at the sides that have come up in the playoffs in recent years, they've done pretty well, especially mm. at the start of the season. Look at Rio; They were ambitious. They went at teams, especially early doors. I think Girona will do the same thing with Michel. Whether that will sustain them over the season, I don't know. But in this game, I think it could really benefit them. And they've got Christian Stuani. They've also got Tati Castellanos, who I think is a, a nice pickup as well from New York City. And so, yeah, I think there could be... Uh, there's the ingredients for an upset, shall we say. And it doesn't take much for Mestalla to uh, change its mind about things if they're going wrong. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we, we could see a few white hankies in match day one, that would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> Sunday night then, it's the defending champions, they make their they start their title defence at Almeria, and the third and final of the promoted sides to come up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a tough start for the Segunda champions. It looks as if Umar Sadiq will be gone, or going, um, so probably won't feature. That's a massive blow for them, isn't
2: it? Um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on Almeria first, and then we'll, and then we'll chat Real Madrid. Ah, really, Maria. Yeah, I think I've kind of liked their recruitment, but they do look like a very young side right now. I think the average age was just over twenty-four. That that must put them in one of the youngest brackets in the league, and they've recruited a lot of talented youngsters. I don't I don't mind what they've done this summer, but on the on the sort of reverse of that against Real Madrid, if you go a goal down, that young that youthfulness perhaps won't benefit them. They could perhaps do with a bit more experience. Umar Sadiq, massive blow and whoever his replacement is will either not be up to full speed or will not be playing in this match either. So, yeah, I think this uh, tough assignment is a bit of an understatement, and Real Madrid, even if they're coming off the back of a European Super Cup, I think they should have plenty to deal with Almiria this match.
1: Yeah, I mean, on the plus side for the newly promoted team, it's a bit of a free hit, isn't it? No one's expecting them to get anything off the champions, but uh, equally, yeah. By that token, everyone's expecting to get beaten potentially heavily, uh, which wouldn't be the way to start the season, no matter who the opponent is. And that's potentially on the cards because Real do love this fixture as well. In each of the last five encounters, Real have scored at least three goals in each of those, including that 8-1 win. Uh, on to Monday then, and we have three games on Monday, including an afternoon treat at San Mamés Athletic Club against Mallorca. And Nesto Valverde is back in La Liga um, against fellow experienced campaigner Javier Aguirre. Believe it or not, the last opening day for Ernesto Valverde was also at San Mames. He was Barca coach. Uh, They went to San Mames on the opening day, and they lost 1-0 with that iconic Adurif overhead kick. I'm sure you remember that one. Uh, That that was the last time (laughs) Valverde's been there for an opening day. He's back but in the other dugout. Um, Yeah, athletic. You've tipped them for fifth in the predictions. I think that's pretty bold, but I can kind of see where you're coming from. It's it's just a case of goals, isn't it, for them and, and converting chances.
2: Yeah, I'm slightly nervous about what I was thinking uh, when I put them fifth because that is quite bold, as you say, but I think part of it is blind faith in Ernesto Valverde. His, his record is almost sort of unparalleled in terms of resources and what he's done with teams in La Liga. So... So, yeah, you, I do. I am backing them to have a better season. I think if they have a fully fit Oyan San set, that could be big. And in this match, I mean, you have one of the strongest home sides in the league going against Mallorca, who are one of the weakest sides away from home. Mallorca, again, I'm interested to see what how Javier Aguirre approaches this because it's all very well being conservative and solid. In inverted commas, they did lose like 6-2 to Granada at 1.2. But it's all very well being solid for those final 10 matches of the season when the going gets tough and you need to manage the pressure very well. But for a whole season, I think they might need to show a bit more ambition than they did under Aguirre last season. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how he approaches this, what help he gives to Verat Moriki, who's back. It's a big thing for them. But, but yeah, it will be a tough season for Mallorca, I think. And this isn't an easy start for them either. Mm, athletic have won
1: last six matches at San Mames against Mallorca so probably much of the same is on the cards there Um, evening on Monday it's a nice Madrid derby Hetafe against Atleti this fixture was dominated by Atleti for so long Hetafe couldn't even score a goal but then last season we had two crackers the 2-1 comeback and the 4-3 which was frankly bonkers so how excited should we be by Heta? and how is Simeone going to line up and and I know you want to talk about João Felix don't you
2: yeah, well, Hitafe, fun recruitment, fun season of, uh, I mean, Domingos Duarte is a good signing, Luis Mia is a good signing, both of those good additions, I think. And I think we do have to remember that this is a Kike Sanchez-Flores team. They're not going to be necessarily flashy, but they will be effective, I think. And Borja Mayoral and Enes Unal seem to be a partnership that Sanchez-Flores is banking on. So, yeah, I think they could be fun. But I'm far more excited about Atleti to be honest. This trio that's been uh, playing in pre season of Alvaro Morata, Antoine Griezmann, and João Felix. It's a pretty fun attacking lineup. And if you'd said that to anyone three years ago, people would have been uh, biting your hand off for it at some of the best clubs in Europe. So, so, yeah, I'm interested to see how they work together, how Simeone manages to cover the gaps that they will inevitably leave. And uh, yeah, I think this Atleti attack has the potential to maybe make that jump from what we've been wanting to see from Atleti, where they can dominate teams with their attacking power, and they haven't been able to in recent seasons, apart from that season when they won the league.
1: Yeah, lots have been spoken about the potential um, centre-back worries and concerns about not having enough depth if you want to play three at the back, but I suppose the anti-Simeone idea of of being defensive is that well we'll just score more goals than, than before and to that end it does look like an exciting attack
2: um, and yeah to be fair though people will come back at us with well Simeone has banked on more attacking lineups in recent seasons and then always shifted back to a slightly more gritty defensive style of play whether he can hold that out for a full season whether it functions for a for full season will that Obviously, remains to be seen, but it should be a fun ride on the way. Stick for that one on Sunday night, without a
1: doubt. Monday night, I should say. Monday night. <laughs> uh, and finally, to wrap up the weekend, the opening weekend, Betis against Elche. Uh, Alex Moreno, he's staying, he turned down a move to the Premier League. I think everyone in La Liga was delighted to see him do that um, against the, the, the kind of prevailing winds of change. Uh, Pellegrini begins his third season in charge at Betis. He's done fantastically well in the first two, winning the Copa last time out. This time, though, there's even more optimism and even more expectation than ever before. Is that going to be to their detriment, though?
2: I don't know if it's going to be to their detriment, but we are asking a manager to overachieve, essentially, for a third season in a row without a significant amount of investment. I think the, the Luises, the... Luis Enrique and the Luis Felipe are good signings, but, I mean, they're not game-changers. Maybe Felipe will be. I think he is a more solid centre-back than the likes of Víctor Ruiz or Mark Bartra, But I I think I'm un pelín, a, a sort of hair less optimistic about it as much as I love Manuel Pellegrini, and I really hope he succeeds. I'm slightly less optimistic than a lot of people are about them. LG, on the other hand, I think there's could be an interesting game for them because we're not quite sure what Francisco is planning this season I mean Lucas Boye was meant to leave I think, I think most people banked on him going, so was Joan Maïka, but they're still there and so mm. how he sets up the season they've recruited Ezekiel Ponte on a permanent deal, whether he goes with two up front or, or sticks with Boye as kind of a, a lone striker and Pere Milla or, or Tede Morende in behind him kind of thing, that that will be an interesting dynamic to watch as the season goes on Yeah, what about, what do you think for this fixture then, do you think Betis will get the job done at home in the first week? Ah, It's hard to back against them, I mean Elche they were a good counter-attacking side last season, but when they needed something in the last uh, sort of towards the end of it last season Betis still had too much for them and I think fully fit, fully rested Nabil Fekir, Sergio Canales I mean I, I wouldn't bet against them normally, but less for Elche. Mm. Well, what better to watch on a Monday night
1: than the uh, the culmination of the first week of La Liga? Right then, just to finish off then, Rory, um, apart from Barca, obviously, because you're biased, um, so what would you say <laughs> is the
2: game you're most looking
1: forward to of those?
2: I have to say it's Girona-Valencia. I think that, mm-hmm. that's the one that there's almost the most uncertainty about Valencia, and in terms of, a side that's going to show ambition coming up. Almeria, I think, will go forward. Bayadolid, I think, will be a little more conservative. But Girona, Michel, if there's one thing you can bank on him to do, it's to play football. So I think that's probably my tie of the weekend if you're looking for a lower-key affair than Barcelona or Real Madrid. And on that, on that optimistic note, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Rory. Uh, we'll be back
1: on Tuesday morning with the match day recap. Of course, because there's three games on Monday, we're going to have it a day later. So uh, Tuesday morning for that one, Rory, you'll be joined by Tom and Sam for that one. So uh, look out for that one, listener. Enjoy the first weekend of La Liga. Stick with us at La Liga Lowdown for your full comprehensive coverage of the weekend. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening to this. Thank you, Rory, for your time. Uh, Enjoy, guys. It's, It's already here and we love it.
3: it.